listening to The Atomic Geeks, a podcast covering movies, TV, comic books, video games, and everything in between. So geeky. All right, welcome back to the Atomic Geeks podcast. My name is Michael DiGiovanni. I'm sitting in Toronto, and today I'm going to be the host of this incredible podcast episode. And I'm also drinking a Christophel beer. Mmm, 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 is that good? Now, let's see what other amazing friends are joining me today. Hey, it's Mike Downs here. Uh, ow, I've just been bitten by a radioactive spider. But it's okay, because I've got Sleeman Original Draft, and nothing goes down with radioactive spider bites like Sleeman Original Draft. <laughs> That's their new uh, slogan, I think. Been bit by a spider? Have some Sleemans. Uh, it's Andrew Bloom here in London. Uh, I don't have anything catchy like Downs, but I am drinking Alexander Keats, uh, which is a surprise to myself, and I'm sure all of you. Did you get a delivery from the beer fairy? <laughs> yes, I didn't remember to pick it up, but I magically they appeared in my kitchen fridge. What? The friend is over, left the beer, Andrew's drinking it now. Actually, Downs, Downs, I think, probably shipped him some beer. <laughs> yeah, he, he's just like, stop being such a bitch, have some beer. <laughs> oh, yeah, but... hello, Internet. It's your uh, friend uh, Christian in his underground lair uh, in the Shangri-La known as Elkville, and I'm just finishing up an issue of the Daily Bugle. That Spider-Man, what an asshole. But now it's time to drink <laughs> a cold bottle of Alexander Keith's India Pale Ale. Some some place from some place somewhere tastes pretty good. <laughs> I love how we are so subtle that tonight's podcast episode is going to be about Aquaman. <laughs> 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 Nothing gets by us. Wow. So okay. So all four of the Atomic Geeks are drinking beer. I believe that's this is a big step. I don't think this has happened since episode four. So uh, welcome to the fun. podcast, Andrew. <laughs> Hey, welcome to Jerkville, population you. So before we get into our spiderific episode, let me just throw out the usual call for geek news. Uh, I have some uh, for once. Um, well, I think we, we all know about it. We've all talked about the show uh, on the podcast previously, but V, uh, the premiere, has, has, uh, was launched, and this show got the largest rating of uh, new shows this year thus far um i've seen it have you i've seen it i have seen it i too have seen it so wait a second this got the highest rating of what the the three new shows that have been out this year like the the yeah the largest rating for a new show this year I don't even think I don't think there was that much new that was out there, so I don't think that's that big of a fucking. No, I think uh, it is. I, news. I think that I think you'd be surprised. There are a lot of shows that are uh, coming, probably gone already. We just don't see a lot of them, and or they're not marketed to us. But uh, I think thus far, the, I, this was the most, as Andrew said, the most successful debut of any series that's uh, of any new series this fall season. But like, I guess the big thing is. Uh, v is here. We've talked about it. There's been a lot of hype around it. What did everybody think? But I think what Downs is trying to say is that I think there's been a lot of shit in this new uh, t- television season, and, and this new show has been come out at a, kind of an irregular time, and basically when, and the whole planet has said, I guess I'll watch. What else is on? Nothing. 
Yeah, but it's good for a show like this that, you know, debuted or had its first run how many years ago? 20 years ago? And and now comes back with a vengeance. And I'm going to say first, uh, this is always the dangerous position to come out first and say my opinion, but I actually enjoyed the show. I think they did a pretty good job, and I was very happy to see some uh, friends from Firefly in the cast. Yeah, it definitely has the Firefly alumni. I was a little bit surprised because at first I was like, oh, hey, there's the pilot. And then I was like, yeah. oh, there's the uh, prostitute playing the lead alien. So yeah, that's there's... as far as we need to go, prostitute. <laughs> yeah, and then there's also a little bit of a, a lost alumni in that as well, yeah. uh, uh, you know, playing the lead actress. You know, it's I, I liked it, didn't love it. I think this, uh, and I'm what I'm hoping is, you find a lot of times that some pilots are not as good as episodes two, three, four, sort of, right. if, if you will, because they're filmed so far in advance. I'll give an example. I, I thought the Fringe series premiere was decent, and then the second, uh, third episodes really picked up because it was so obvious they filmed it like months and months in advance yeah. before they knew they had clearance to I move forward. I think, I think. No, not, not only not only that. Sorry, Andrew, but uh, you know, just to talk, follow the Fringe kind of thread is that with Fringe, the whole kind of initial story really doesn't have a lot to do with now where the story's at. You know what I mean? Like, uh, however they launch the thing might not necessarily what the 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 uh, regular episodes really focus on once it gets going. So, yeah. because I, I would say, as as far as Mike, uh, I'm on the same page. I, I thought it was okay. Uh, it didn't blow me the fuck away, though. You know well, what I mean? Like, you know I, what I, there was some shit that was cool, but uh, some of it was, I don't know, kind of boring, too, I thought. You know what? I, I well, the, the one problem I did find with it, when you've got a premiere, you need to give it... This was a one-hour premiere, wasn't it? And yes. You need yeah. two hours, I think, to set up a show. It seemed like they had to rush through it, and I seem to remember last time we watched V, when it was out, they took longer to show us the bad side of the V, and this one, they're right to it. They're like... They're going to kill us. There are le- lizards underneath that. And look, we'll even show you some right off in the first episode. It would have been nice to leave a little bit more to the imagination for a little while. Like, obviously, you haven't seen one full on. But yeah. I was really surprised how quickly they pulled the trigger on that, to be totally honest. I thought maybe. Yeah, yeah but they, they kind of had to, though, because it wasn't like this is a, a secret. So they, they figured, you know what, we got to get this out of the bag right off the bat. We, we don't have the luxury they did in the 80s because the 80s, right. no one knew. Well, I think also... Um, that's the fault behind premieres is the fact that they feel they have to throw so much information at you that they just jam-pack that first episode where now they might be able to relax. Hopefully they will relax the storyline a little bit and take a little bit more time delivering a a quality story. I agree because that was going to be my major criticism of it was the pacing of the show. And I know they didn't have the luxury of two hours, and I know the V series back in the 80s, to Downs' point, no one had any clue about it, but it also launched originally as a TV movie before it actually spun off into a series. Mm-hmm. So I I was just amazed at how quickly the the ships even appeared. Like I was sort of it was there was really no character set up at all before that. It was before the first oh. commercial break. It was like aliens are here and they're talking to us from a big giant screen. Like it was I and to your point, I mean, I guess the the reveal of the le- the lizard face, it, the, I just felt it all kind of happened quick. And to Andrew, I'm in complete agreement with you. Now let's slow it down a little bit. You know, I felt we kind of raced to a lot of that, but I guess that is the basic premise of the series. 
but there was some good stuff. I mean, I thought the production values were top notch. Yeah. I thought, you know, the ships and everything like that was were really well done. And I did like the reveal. I'm going to get into spoiler areas here. I thought it was a nice twist to have the uh, the actor at the end who showed up and got his arm cut. Yeah. To, like to be revealed as a V who was basically working on the other side. I thought that was a nice little twist at the end. I thought that was but, too much too soon. That that would have been a great reveal a couple more episodes in. Well, maybe yeah, after he yeah, but, married his that girl or at least they're, asked her. But they're trying they're trying to dig they're trying to get you set now with okay, next week here's our players. You need to know all of what happened last week. And I actually I I kind of saw that coming. I was like, buddy's going to show up and I'm like he's going to be a V. I I totally Saw that coming, you know what I mean. So, it, uh, I, I, and again, I, th- I thought they had a lot. They had to get all that shit out of the way now, and and like you guys, relax into a, some half decent stories now about. I mean, ultimately, this story show is all about re- rebelling against the aliens, right? So I think they're just getting through all that shit as soon as possible to set that up and get into that weekly, you know, episodic. I just thought it was interesting enough that the, he was kind of like. He was trying to obviously disguise a secret, and when the secret was that he used to be some part of resistance force, or like even as alluding to some kind of terrorist organization, I thought that was interesting enough. And then maybe to reveal yeah. later on they'd be a lizard, I thought it would be a bit more, I don't know, impactful in my opinion. Yeah, and it's it's funny to see another one of those ageless actors again who hasn't been doing anything for a while, Scott Wolf. That guy's aged what? A day since he did Party he, of Five? He still looks like he's 19. Like, I couldn't buy him as this network reporter. He looks so young. But yeah. I guess they're, they're, what they're hoping for here is, the, you know, the kiss of uh, lost success. Because, you know, it worked for them to put an alumni of uh, Party of Five in it with mm-hmm. Jack. So they're throwing Scott Wolf in this. There's a lot of familiar faces, too. A lot of the other... The guy that we're talking about, the the um, the actor who is revealed as a V uh, at Morris the end, Chestnut. Yeah, I've seen him before in a couple things too. There's a lot of familiar faces, but uh, I think what, sometimes that that's a fault. Like to a fault, where you see people that you recognize, like Scott Wolf, you just go, "Hey, look, Party of Five guy." Instead of just sitting back and enjoying the story, I'd like the girl came on and go, "Hey, look, it's a girl from Lost." Hey, look, it's a guy from. Par- hey, look, it's a girl from Firefly. Look at all these people I know. From other roles, I'd rather see people that I don't recognize. The one person I did enjoy recognizing, though, was the blonde V who used to play Supergirl on Smallville. Hello. Hello. I, 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 I didn't know what she was from. All I noticed was, that uniform copens quite low. <laughs> <laughs> She's uh, rather tasty. But um, So what do you guys think? Are, are you going to tune in to episode two? Do we think... The uh, the North American population is going to continue to tune in. Or are we going to see a big drop in the ratings? I, I think you're ne- you're not going to match your premiere ratings, and it's not going to keep up. But it, it could take a dip. I th- I think like personally, I'll watch the second, third. I'll do the downs. Uh, give it a couple of episodes chance. I thought it was good enough to watch again, and I think you might get you'll get some repeat repeat viewers for sure. Yeah, I, I'll agree. I think I think there's a lot of shit on right now that's making people sit up and take note. Uh, everyone was talking about this after it came out. Uh, and again, after it came out, so I think they'll still at least tune in for another episode or two. And if it delivers, you know, it could be a hit. We'll see. Yeah, and, I don't, and, I'm, I'm definitely going to stay tuned for one or two more episodes. I don't like that friggin' kid 
who's basically joined the friggin' V, and I don't yeah, like right. Watch Your Head from Lost either. I never liked her. She's always just seems no. so like like she's acting out of a friggin' tin can for crying out loud. But uh, Watch Your Head, the uh, essential, the uh, substitute for uh, Jane Badler, uh, pretty good, pretty good job there. I like her. She's pretty tasty. Yeah. The, the the point of note, the blonde that DJ was referring to is Laura Vandervoort, or Voort, V-O-O-R-T. She is uh, a sexy mama born in Toronto, uh, Canada. I'll have to look her up. Uh, the, the one thing that I should know is that they actually filmed four episodes originally. So what you're, what we're watching is the first sort of four pilot episodes. So if this based off success, they'd go back to work. I'm pretty sure they're going back to work now. The first four episodes, and this will, I'm kind of looking over at Downs here for a second, were crafted by the guy that, uh, or the lead writer on the first four episodes was the guy that did the 1400, which I think is a TV show Downs talked about before, right? Oh, so interestingly, because the guy, I was going to mention the guy who's working, the, the, the minister guy who, uh, who go, yeah. who's now working with the blonde chick, he's from 4400. Or the 4400, I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah. So the, the writer spearheaded the first four episodes. He, that writer is gone. The person who's coming on to show run as of the fifth episode is one of the lead people behind Chuck. So I look over at Christian now. So I think what's going to be interesting is the, what, how the show will kind of change after this first batch of four episodes, which were done, I think, for probably in the can for some time. So, uh, that's why I think I'm going to probably stick with it a little bit. I I liked, didn't love it. So, yeah. but uh, I think at least, to, and I totally agree with Downs that there's not a lot else on television that's kind of really noteworthy. So, you know, it's worth to kind of stick with this unless it gets absolutely terrible. Yeah. Well, talking about absolutely terrible, let's get into our tonight's podcast episode. Um, here's my fancy intro. After being stuck in development hell for nearly 25 years, in 2002, everyone's favorite wall crawler finally leapt onto the big screen. That's right, Spider-Man ushered in the modern era of the superhero films, and it made a star of Tobey Maguire and brought director Sam Raimi into the mainstream. Spider-Man 2 that followed in 2004 was, an, was equally huge, and in some ways surpassed the original in quality. So to no surprise, thanks to the success of the first two films, a third film was on its way. And on May 1st, 2007, Spider-Man 3 swung into theaters. Though, the third time was most definitely not the charm for Spidey. Despite making a shitload of money worldwide, amongst fanboys, the film was a, a complete letdown. So, it's a redo. That's right, the Atomic Geeks are redoing Spider-Man 3. We're going to decide what worked and what didn't. We're going to take out what we thought was complete mistakes and keep in what we thought still worked. We're going to suggest changes to the storyline, changes in casting, and even changes behind the camera. And at the end of, the, uh, of this episode, we're going to hope to have crafted a better uh, third film in the Spider-Man series. Okay, guys, so here we are. Uh, we've got the shooting script of Spider-Man 3 in front of us on the table here. Let's start with, right at the top, very macro, what is the 
major flaw of this film? What do, what do we have to change right off the top? I'll go. Um, <laughs> uh, because, you know, I, I, so I just, obviously we all just watched this movie again. Um, I literally just watched it last night. And what I came away with thinking actually was, uh, while it's bad, it's really not as bad as it could have been. Um, uh, it's definitely too long. But what, what I think the, the biggest problem is, and I think, well, maybe we were talking about it off the off air or whatever. Um, the, you know, the biggest downfall of this movie is too much time dedicated to both Sandman and Venom, two major of uh, characters with each almost their own complete stories with Spider-Man in this movie. When I watched it last night, I was like, you know, you, these are almost two separate films. Um, they're too, each villain is too big for their own, uh, to, to be shared on, on the screen in, in one movie together, I think is the ultimate problem with, you know. Yeah, I agree, movie. I agree with you. I mean, yeah. I mean, again, too, too much villain focus, or too many villains if you want to say that, but as far as, uh, the, as far as, Sandman got a lot more freaking dedication, and a lot more, uh, screen time than Venom did. I think Venom, of, of all characters, should have had a lot more, but Sandman, I think, eked him out big time. Yeah, I think it was definitely lopsided. I agree with both of you on this. Uh, Sandman, you've got too many villains to start, and then uh, the di- director definitely put his focus on the wrong of the wrong uh, villain of the two. If, if it was up to me, I would much rather see Venom on the screen a lot more than uh, Sandman because it was kind of lame. Uh, although I think if you took time to have a movie with one or the other, you probably would end up with something good, but you got to think about it too. Uh, James Franco is playing the new Goblin, uh, so he's new got Goblin, screen yeah. time as well. So That's you're right. sharing it with basically three villains, and like each one individually, maybe all of them together. No, thanks. We've done it yeah. in Batman. We saw it didn't work there. Why? Like that's that's our my one major screw up flop for, and you're not even me. sure if, if uh, james franco's a freaking villain for crying out he's flipping he's flopping he doesn't know where he's freaking going mm-hmm. yeah okay so i mean and not to take over djo's duties here you know but I, I think we'll get into the new goblin in a second um you know I, I think the the big problem that we're talking about here is the fact that both of these villains are too big i don't think um you only you only should only have one villain in the movie though. I think that you know we almost need to set some ground rules here. Of okay, it is a second and third superhero franchise movie. One villain's not enough, but you have to I think make one villain your primary villain and another villain maybe your slow cooking for the next film. You know yes. what I mean? Or or or, or yeah. you're dealing with the outcome like even with Cillian Murphy in you know uh, the Scarecrow in the second film here. You know what I mean? Uh, of the Dark Knight, he, he was even he was only in a little tiny bit in the beginning, but at least it showed. You know, I think what what you really are trying to get at here is the fact that this hero has a bunch of different villains he's fighting at any given time. This movie yeah. focused on too many, and, and like some of the Batman films have too many, especially the two big ones were way too too big and too prominent in the story. Right. It was too. Yeah, confusing. that's a very good point. You have your you have your opening villain who could be there from just that portion of the film, and then your regular villain, and then the background villain that kind of stews it up for the next one. That's very good. Well, I right. think I think one thing that you're forgetting, uh, or not forgetting, but the the suit or the alien uh, that creates Venom itself is a character, and I think could have been played up a little bit more. I I didn't necessarily like the whole Peter Parker bad guy dancing down the street. Oh, we'll get stuff. to that, Andrew. Let's we'll get to that. But to I'm that. just saying, and that's just working into what I'm saying, is you have another villain or another character there in that whole 
um, mystery type thing of what is this space suit what, like, that is taking over Peter Parker and then becoming Venom. So you're just so overloaded. This is just, it's saturated. Well, then maybe, I mean, I hate to say it, maybe Sandman should be taken out, even though it's great casting of Thomas Hayden Church as Sandman. He should be yeah. taken out altogether, and the focus should have been on Venom. Well, you know, or here's a different way to kind of look at it: is Venom could have been, you know, they the, what Spider-Man one and two did a very good job at is Harry was Harry Osborn was that slow burn villain that Downs was alluding to earlier. He'd had pretty much a three filmed arc building up mm-hmm. to him becoming ultimately a rival to Spider-Man. But when he finally got that, his moment to shine, it was overshadowed by fucking two other, uh, you know, antagonists, which got a little bit too much. But I think uh, Venom potentially could have been that slow burn villain, the villain, because, Andrew, I do agree with you a little bit where you you had to. A huge part of Venom's storyline is that Peter is the first one to embrace that symbiote suit. So you had to have that. Like, you had to have that Peter Parker was affected by that costume. It started to take him over, blah, blah, blah. He gets rid of it. Eddie Brock gets it. That could have almost been, you could have ended part three with that and moved into part four with a full-blown Venom as the villain. Just yeah, as a exactly. thought. I yeah, think no, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Because, I mean, as much as I do agree, Christian, with you, that uh, I thought Thomas Hayden Church was pretty good i i really didn't love the sandman character though he is a you know uh one of spidey's more semi-famous rogues that's for sure but i i didn't love it i think this was really one of those examples of i think the studio thought hey we could really go to town with this with cgi and i think it would be a lot of fun so i think that's why they they put a lot of time into him i fucking hated uh that they had to Fit him in to Spidey's origin. I oh, thought that was God. completely yeah. unnecessary. Yeah, let's 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 talk about that. I mean, I thought that was really um, almost sacrilegious too. You know what I mean? Like to go back now and and totally change Uncle Ben's killer. Like that fucking like that's a total slap in the face to to the film number one. You know what I mean? I hate when fucking people when studios do that shit. It's a slap in the face. It's a freaking butt plug up the fucking ass for Christ's sakes. Because basically. <laughs> Doing that it totally invalidates Peter Parker's reason for being Spider-Man altogether. I mean, Holy exactly. Shit. There, like he, there's no, there's no great power comes great responsibility. He's now. not stopping he the guy that the guy. Kill, he's not stopping the guy that kills his uncle. You know what I mean? He has no right. idea. Like he, it, it, it means nothing to him. All he did was stop the guy who was going to jump in the getaway car for Christ's sakes. It's fucking horrible. That's changes. actually a great fucking point, Christian. I, I totally it changes the whole reason for being. It's like saying all of a sudden it's like some guy rescued uh, Bruce Wayne's parents from being killed. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it could have the same impact. Yeah, like no, I told Peter Parker's thinking all this time. Fuck! I let the guy go who killed my uncle. I didn't stop him. That's why I'm Spider Man. Then he finds out from freaking uh, freaking uh, Cromwell that, well, actually, no, it was somebody else who killed your uncle. You didn't meet get to meet him at all. It's like. Oh, so I've been jumping around in this fucking suit for no good goddamn reason, you know? Yeah, just peel it off right now and go to bed. Like, <laughs> it's it, 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 you're totally right. That's that's completely retarded. And and like you're saying, Downs, it's like maybe not like Batman's parents didn't get killed, but like him finding out years later that he dreamed it and it was actually somebody else who killed them. Like it just it, it 
ruins all of the the origin and put a really good first movie. But and well, 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 and that's exactly the point is that I think why people uh, you know Spider Man one why it was so embraced by the public but also hardcore comic fans is how faithful Sam Raimi was to the Spider-Man mythology. He was pretty faithful. Granted, he did have organic uh, webs, which they then worked into the, the comic books. But beyond that, pretty fucking faithful. And then to all of a sudden in the third film, for really no fucking point other than to just give Sandman more to do, they had to have him put into his origin. It was such like... Well, what the hell was the point of that, man? That, that, like, that's that... exactly like friggin' uh, Tim Burton's Batman, where they made the Joker friggin' uh, the Joe Chill of that friggin' movie, where he, the, yeah. he murdered friggin' Batman's parents. It's like, okay, well, I guess that's convenient. I mean, that's what I remember when I was watching that. Yeah, that's another. Gra- Actually, I forgot that they did that as well. Like, that's those are those areas where it's like, leave well alone, man. Like, Spidey's origin had been done enough like it'd been done so well and they'd set up to downs's uh, point i think earlier they devoted a lot of time to fucking sandman here we had to see his reason for becoming sandman and his origin and all that bullshit with his fucking daughter and his wife why did we have to add another layer to it that he was also involved in spidey's origin like, like that just was so dumb how many goddamn anti-heroes do they need in this movie like we're supposed to, is Sandman a villain or isn't he? Is freaking James Franco, Perry Osborne, is he a villain or isn't he? Why can't they just be fucking villains? I want money. Yeah. I want it now. Let me get it. A little that's more right. That's fight. right. That's right. If you're, if you're actually cheering for the villain side, Venom and fucking, uh, what's his name, the kid, uh, Topher Grace there, are the only ones to cheer for. Because the other two are fucking pussies. You know what I mean? Like, they're not really anything worth, you know, they're not really that scary. Yeah. Sandman was a fucking total pussy. I mean, I, I think great execution. So back to my original point. Uh, and so in thinking what, what, what we what we could keep, I think you make this movie about Sandman. You you take out the fact that he has anything to do with uh, Uncle Ben, and he's just the villain. Meanwhile, so is Green, uh, the new Goblin, and you don't you don't necessarily have um, have that have. Uh, him turn good what happens is is peter has to use the black suit to defeat two enemies at the same time say they still team up we'll have them still team up the two guys against one so that's why he has to take the fucking black suit fucking does it you know beats them off but at the end of the movie throws away the suit and now it goes and that you know much like x-men 2 did with the whole fiery phoenix shit why do we have to pull the trigger on all this in one film i say like you mentioned earlier dj i think that's what we keep and that's how we frame up the story for this one. Well, you know what? I do think, and I and I think, I, I'm sure you'll all be in agreement here. They had to finally pay off the arc of Harry Osborn. That had that had been building for you know now three films. He had to stay in it as a secondary villain. Do we agree at least on that? Absolutely. Yeah, I agree yeah. on that. But I think could we? I mean, can we just make him a bit more gobliny? You know what I mean? I mean, right now he's like, he's, like, he's like the evil surfboarder from fucking Aspen, for Christ's sakes, in that costume. You know <laughs> totally, what I mean? Totally agree. I mean, can, nothing, make like, him, nothing like, of the goblin in his costume Make at him all, at least Harley, the hobgoblin or something like that. I mean, make him at least somewhat of a legacy of his father's friggin' origin, so to speak. I was thinking the same thing when I watched it, so I agree. So then, I, I mean, I, do we think it's a good idea then to have the 
the Venom character be the slow burn that would appear in the part four, even though there is oh, a Spidey for four sure. coming out. For sure. Uh, do you think like, that's a better idea? Well, look at look at Ven- I I look at Venom as a character that has huge potential for uh, a villain, obviously proven in comics. Venom, you know, at one point, I don't know if he still does, had his own title. Like this, this is a huge character, and that can have a lot of payoff. So you could dedicate more than one film to Venom. Why have him be a quarter of a movie? Because exactly, because that's the way I felt, Andrew. Is that you know. A lot. I mean, they sold the film on Venom. Like they they were yeah. playing it like the fucking Jurassic Park and Jaws, where they were like, "We're really not going to show you Venom in the trailers, but we you know he's in the movie." Mm-hmm. Fuck, man, he was in the last fifteen minutes of the movie, and then it's he's done. It's sort of like, well, fuck, man. Like I, you know, after all, it felt like it was such an add-on. By the time they got around to it, it was like. Oh yeah! Don't forget. By the way, Venom's in here. He's yeah. yep. He's gonna do stuff too. It's sort of like Sam oh. Raimi blew his wad early. If he was in bed with someone, they'd be disappointed. Well, he blew his no, Venom but, wad so late. Yeah. Yeah, but no. But no. I mean, I'm saying early in the series, you should have set up Venom at the end of that movie and said, "Look, Topher Grace, if that's the character that you want to have, he gets the suit and goes, I'm evil, and then Spider-Man Four. Dedicate exactly. a full movie to that guy. No, exactly, because, I mean, I'll tell you what. If, if you have that happen in, in Spidey 3, where he's in the black suit, but discards it away, you know, people are going to know, and, like, if the very last thing you fucking see is Venom taking over that kid, people yeah. will be shitting their fucking pants in the movie theater and be going, like, I cannot wait until Spider-Man 4. That, you can't buy that type of, you know, like, it, it, it's, so, it's so rare that you could have that happened perfectly and they had the total perfect opportunity here and they fucked it away yeah it could have been an empire strikes back type of ending does anybody totally. does anybody feel like they uh, should have cast somebody else as venom other than Topher grace i wasn't really crazy about Topher grace um but i don't know if it's just because he wasn't given a chance in this movie uh, i see him still as that that 70s show guy but I find his body uh, type to be too similar to Tobey Maguire, so I don't think there was really yeah. much difference between them. I was expect I, I would that's have liked true. to have a bigger, thicker, badass Venom. Tyler Maine, the guy who the, the original. Uh, well, that's big. <laughs> yeah, but see, the thing is, when I think of Venom, I, I imagine him like almost twice the size of Spidey, though. Oh, for sure. But I mean, they right? do, they'll do that with CGI and everything, and and that's kind of showing well, the did, power of the suit. But they, they did. They did. The, the, they did the a... CGI was thin and small, just like Topher Grace. He was more like Carnage than Venom. Yeah, he was. I really? thought, the same I thought thing. I, I maybe I'm remembering incorrectly. He was a lot bigger than Topher Grace when he was in the suit. No, he but, wasn't. But Eddie Brock was a was a much the character who basically eventually becomes Venom is a bigger guy. Like yeah. it's like than Peter Parker. And I think what they were trying to do was they were trying to have him seem around the same age as Tobey Maguire, and I mean, and also at Christian's point, kind of the same. Size and well, I he's just... the anti Spider Man basically, or the anti Peter Parker even, and that and that I think they're trying to draw similarities between the two. Like you're well, saying. you know, you know, you know, I'll tell you what they did is they took a page out of George Lucas's book, and they don't want fucking Darth Maul, aka Venom, to eclipse Spider Man. They couldn't have him come out and be the bigger hero, so they had to say like. You know, he, they need to be on, on a somewhat of a level playing field here. They couldn't have him be this total badass big fucking dude because he'd be too popular, and then that wouldn't it would kill the franchise. Then, 
Yeah, I, I disagree with killing the franchise. I think it would have made something out of it, and maybe you would have gotten a bit more interest. They would never in- take that chance. Yeah. Hollywood would never take that chance that, that Venom could be this big, huge thing. I, I don't think they would ever do but that. But look at how, how successful it is in the comic book world. Like, Venom is a big, huge thing. And, and then you've got that whole, you know, next film is David and Goliath. And, you know, that is a better draw, I think, than two Spider-Man. Here's a question, then. It's sounding like we don't think Topher Grace was the right casting for uh, for Venom. Who could we suggest? Like, I mean, is there anyone off the top of your head that you could think would be better? I mean, Taylor Maine, I, th- I hope, was a bit of a joke. I know you're saying that size of Guy Downs, but, like, could you think of anybody else? Thomas Jane. I knew I was waiting for <laughs> Thomas Jane to come out. Don Rickles. <laughs> Uh, nothing mm. comes to mind. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Like you're, you're talking like a Vin Diesel size of guy, not Vin. Well, Diesel. you know what? Not Vin Diesel, but you know who I Kevin almost. Nash? Yeah, you know who I almost thought of, <laughs> and I mean, this might be a little. I mean, I granted he's been in another superhero movie as well, but I think in terms of the size of the guy, I would almost say Chris Evans, who played uh, the Human Torch. Maybe if 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 he didn't ham it up like he's kind of doing in a lot of roles, I think he would come across a lot bigger than Tobey Maguire, but at least would seem like he's not 20 years older than him either. I just think Topher Grace seems way too skinny. I mean, it seems almost like fucking Screech being Venom at times. You you think of Eddie Brock needing to be like a football All-American big athlete. That type of size of a guy. Well, he doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be Lou Ferrigno. Just a bit but, thicker, you know, not as wiry. You know what I mean? Yeah, like like, like Andrew. That's the best example. He looks like he should be playing football. That's yeah, who Eddie Brock, Eddie Brock should be. Like it should be a dude that. Uh, but, and, he, and why could they not have given him a, a good brush cut? Like, come on now, people. You, like know, it, you know what I what I did uh, Tover Grace was good at, and then that we would want to keep is that the person has to have a little bit of acting chops because this guy, although being a big football player, also has to be a bit of a smarmy guy too, right? Like he's, you know, he 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 fakes he doctors photographs, right, to to get the yeah. staff job. So you know what I mean? He can't be totally successful in that uh, in in football. Like, so he can't be an all American jock, a la. Captain Marvel, Captain America. No, but he's a little rough around the edges, though. You know what I mean? He's not a yeah. smooth talking friggin' guy like the, the character told for Grace portrayed. You know, with the cologne and the ties all the, all over the place. Yes, that cologne. It's more like a big oaf. Okay, so let's uh, as we're talking about casting, and we've also you know we've addressed uh, moving around some of like the, the focus away from so many villains. We talked about uh, you know Topher Grace maybe not being the ideal person for Venom. I want to throw one more thing out here because this was, uh, you know, which I do agree with you guys off the top of this movie's main flaws. It was way too overcrowded. The last person that needs to be included in this list, even though that they're not a villain, the, that was completely unnecessary to this sto- I story. I know what you're going to say. Was Gwen Stacy? Yes. Testify. So, so this was uh, <laughs> Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh, yeah. This played Gwen Stacy. Why? They felt like I guess they assumed that maybe there was a concern that Spider-Man Three was going direct to DVD or something because they wanted to put every fucking thing in this movie. Because I was like, why in the world would you put? Did Gwen Stacy need to be put in this fucking movie? Such an archetype, pinnacle character in Spider-Man's history. She was completely throwaway in this. 
Like, what? Was she needed at all? She was not needed at all because, essentially, they blew her friggin' uh, future storyline in the first fucking movie with the whole, uh, you know, the Green Goblin, the bridge, where, you know, originally it wasn't Mary Jane, it was Gwen Stacy, and Gwen Stacy dies. But since they've done this already, they just basically threw in, because, hey, she's a character from Spider-Man, that everyone will go, hey, it's a character from fucking Spider-Man. You know, Gwen Stacy, student in, in friggin' Peter Parker's class, what a surprise, happens to be a, a supermodel as well in this skyscraper where fucking, you know, what the, the crane's out of control, fucking bullshit. I, I totally thought that too. When that, when that was happening, I was like, well, of course Gwen Stacy's gotta be in this fucking movie. Like, who else is going to show up here, man? Like the, the, the other thing that that, uh, that went hand in hand with that too for me was that again, how many times do you have to go back and forth with Peter and, and Mary Jane? Like it's getting so uh, soap opera-y now. You know She's what I mean? such like, a fucking suck, man. I under- so much of this movie now and uh, the whole trilogy now has been dedicated to on again, off again, on again, off again. I was like. In this movie, could they not just be on together for a little bit of a time, and can we give the whole fucking yo-yo on the relationship between the two of them a break? Why couldn't Kristen Stewart be the cool fucking Mary Jane from the comics who likes to fucking party? She's just a fucking sad case of business Kirsten is what she Dunst. is. Kristen Dunst. But yeah, I, I agree, and that's I think the melodrama between you know, MJ and Peter Parker, was yeah, it was really drawn out. And I'll tell you another thing. Some of this bullshit that they had to show of her and Harry cooking dinner and giggling and la- some of it was yeah, painfully exactly. bad. It yeah. was painfully bad. But on you know, while we're on the subject of MJ, if we were saying painful, why the fuck did Kirsten Dunst feel the need to sing so many times in this movie? <laughs> you know, it's like Jesus Christ, did you want were you putting a CD out after this movie? Why the fuck did like there were multi I, I mean, I know I'm really embellishing here, but there were multiple times she sang. It was not once. No, she like sang like three songs, I think, or something like that. Like, I, I hate that one part where she said, I love you, Spider-Man. <laughs> that was in the deleted <laughs> scenes on the DVD. You didn't miss that one. <laughs> no, but I, I agree. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, no MJ singing. I mean, I, that was just terrible. I don't know why they needed to keep that in, but... Her, the, you're right. I think M, they need to go by third time in the film. Is why the fuck can't her and Peter just be together? Why do why do we have to? Why does a, a movie of this size have to try to fulfill on everything? Why does there have to be romantic angst? You know, action, pathos, this that. It's like you know, there's enough going on in Peter's world with. You know, all the villains he's dealing with, the problems with Harry, fucking his job. Why does he also have to have girlfriend issues in every fucking movie? And also this alien costume is turning him into this emo friggin' douchebag, for crying out loud. Yeah, and they just so overcrowded. And like you're saying, it's not just the characters. It's everything he tried to put in it. It's like he's trying to sum up the entire Spider-Man series in one movie. It's, well, and it you, was, you know what? I, I wonder if this, if this, if was partly the problem was is that he felt this was his goodbye to Spider-Man, and he just totally fucking crammed everything he could in there. I mean, maybe that's really what happened. And you know, that's kind of a backfire because after seeing that, you wanted it to be a goodbye to Spider-Man. No, you're you're totally right, Downs. I wonder if he went into this initially because I know he's signed for Spidey Four now, but I wonder at the time of making it that he went, "All right, I'm done. You know, this is it. So I'm going to." 
you know, before any director gets their hands on this, I'm going to do everything else I wanted to do, which was, you know, he probably went through a hundred issues of Spider-Man and went, we got to have that. Yep. Venom. Yep. Gwen Stacy. Yep. Got to have this. You know, I mean, he it, it, it seems kind of obvious at the time of filming this. That was probably his mindset. Well, it had to have been, and so, I mean, because this will be one of our questions, right, is do we keep Sam Raimi? I mean, I think in terms of his vision of Spider-Man has been perfect up until, you know, this movie, you know what I mean? So I, I, I don't think he was necessarily the wrong guy for it, but uh, I, I don't think, uh, I, I wish he would have signed for four before he signed, you know, for three was ever in production. I would like to think that the studio pressure essentially basically made Sam Raimi have to make the movie that he made. That's what I'd like to think. Well, I agree. I mean, I my vote is to not kick uh, Raimi out of the director's chair on this one, though he made a lot of fucking weird choices in this one, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but let's stay on in terms of uh, what you know Mike was talking about here. His visual flair that he brought to the Spidey series overall was incredible. I mean, I know Christian is pretty much orgasmic when he thinks of the end of Spider-Man 1 when Spidey's, you know, shooting the webs and fucking doing all the, you know, uh, iconic Spider-Man poses. That I mean, that was Sp- uh, Sam Raimi. I mean, and he, you know, his hyperkinetic camera work and all of that. He's the right director. He did a good uh, job on casting the primary characters. I mean, and I love, loved his casting of J. Jonah Jameson. That, the, yeah. Fucking perfect. But uh, I think what we're getting at here is I think it's the writers. I, and, and though, uh, you know, upon doing some research here, Raimi was credited with story uh, yeah. on this as well. Him and his brother and another writer uh, and Raimi was involved in a lot of the story, uh, I think, for the first two films as well. But I think he could have used a little bit of help um, in in the screenwriting. Because I think that's when this went awry. Or to Christian's point, are we feeling the the studio involvement? Because Spider-Man such a franchise film now property that they got into it and called the shots. Well, I'd argue, and, and going along the point, Sam Raimi was the guy for the first two movies, he clearly proved that he wasn't the guy for the third. He either got whatever the excuse, if he thought this was his last movie, he got too involved with it, whatever it was, he should have taken a step back or maybe the whatever, if it's the studios, whatever it was, it obviously didn't work. Maybe we should second guess his uh, writing ability, if not his directing, like there, there was serious mistakes in this movie and, and he's the number one guy to blame. Okay, so let's, going off Andrew's point here, because the, the debate now is Raimi. It sounds like the majority of us on the surface think he's the right director. Christian's suggesting that the studio got involved. Uh, you know, I'm saying maybe uh, we need to relook at the writers on it. Let's look at some of the choices now that happened in this film. I'll start with one. We've touched on the major plot points. Now let's just talk on some scene-specific stuff. One. Peter Parker going bad, fucking crazy nightclub scene. That was laughably terrible. That was probably the strangest scene in a superhero film, probably since Superman 3, where Clark Kent, where Superman started wearing the different colored suit and split from Clark Kent into those two identities. Though now when you rewatch that, that's pretty... 
kind of awesomely bad. The, <laughs> when a fight you, when, in a junkyard? That's pretty freaking uh, – uh, I like it. Anyway. No, no, but I'm talking like soups in a bar shooting peanuts, breaking the bottles. That was pretty fucked up. I mean, when Clark yeah. Kent was doing that, when Christopher Reeve was playing that. But come on, man. There was nothing rem- – I don't think my in 10 years we're going to look back and go – that scene of Peter Parker dancing down the street doing the fucking John Travolta. Jesus Christ, that was well, fucking horrible. It, He's walking around pointing at girls, and girls are going, yeah. oh, my God, what's this guy? Pointing, pointing, and then walks into a door, and like the door's open for him, automatically disappears, and you're thinking to yourself, where the fuck is he going? And all of a sudden he comes out with this brand-new suit, you know, and he starts dancing in front of the store, like, hey, everybody, look at me. i got a brand-new suit. Well, I, you know what? You know what I will say? I, I, I don't mind the idea of showing off the powers and how good Peter Parker's feeling. I think his delivery was horrible. Um, I, 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 he also did a very bad job of giving mixed signals. You're thinking Peter Parker's wearing this Venom suit, and one woman looks at him like, hey, you're cute. And the next woman, in the very like next cut, they're looking at him like he's an idiot. I'm kind of like, Which, what are you trying to say here? Um, is it is he hot now? Is he is he an idiot? What is it? And, and and make up your mind. And I think there's not a problem with trying to do something a little bit campy, but more along the lines of showing how it's affecting him in regular life as Peter Parker. But the the way he did it was terrible. There's better ways to do that than him walking down the street looking like some kind of friggin' douchebag for Christ's sake. If but, you want to show him how. How how the suit affects him in normal life? Just have him lash out at somebody. You know what I mean? Like confront Jonah Jameson, like and like get in his face or some shit like that. There's better ways to do it than walking down the street like fucking John Travolta and pointing sure, at fucking people. You stupid. know what? I know it's Ma- stupid. Now I know yeah, yeah, to that was... to that story or to that scene is never a bad thing because I like the "Staying Alive" song. But I I will say it's it's pretty stupid. They but you wanted to show a little bit of. Peter likes the suit. Peter feels good in the suit. Peter is feeling powerful and cool yeah. and everything yeah. like that. And then show him lashing out at people. I think the first night where he so, had the suit and he's jumping around up and down the sky, so we're going, wow, this is amazing. I'm, I'm stronger yeah. than I've ever been before was a pretty clear point that he liked the fucking suit. And, and, and you know what the problem is? Is if it would have made him um, evil but cool, that would have been more believable. But he yeah. was still, like, uh, geeky and... Um, uh, and 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 lechy, and so it was kind of like it, it just didn't. It, w- it was uncomfortable and weird. And I think what 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 he was trying to get at, and what what all you needed to get at was that this thing is evil. It should have made him, I think, more evil as opposed to more perverted and, and slimy. I, I think that's what really came yeah, across. I agree, Downs. I think, the, and Christian has alluded to this. I think the suit should have brought out aggressive tendencies in Peter, and I think that's what they should have played up. This hokey fucking campy bullshit scene of him walking to, and then the, and then it gets even worse when he's at the fucking nightclub. Do, do, uh, nightclub with, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it looks literally like a Zucker Brothers spoof scene. I was like, watching, and you know what? And to, sorry, and to that point though is is then even then he knows he's doing it, and then when the chick calls him on it, he looks all weird. Like what? What did I do? Like he should have been like. Relishing in the fact that not only did he just fuck over Mary Jane, he just fu- used that bitch too. You know what I mean? Like he's evil. This thing. You know what I mean? Like he should have been enjoying the whole thing more. And it, like it should have been the fact that oh my God, Spidey, this isn't good. You know what I mean? Like it was just it was fucking weird and 
gay. Yeah, I remember yeah, I remember seeing that scene in the theater with my wife. I remember specifically turning to my wife and saying, "What the fuck am I watching here? Is this fucking Spider-Man? Like what am I watching? I couldn't believe it." Yeah, definitely get rid of that scene. I don't mind if they want to show him like you're saying downs. Be, show him being evil in in regular life like taking advantage of women or or you know, stealing shit here and there, doing things that are not Peter Park in Peter Parker's nature, that would have been fine. But yeah, he it was just stupid. Okay, I think, so I think I think one of the major problems with this movie though is I think they had to dial back the camp meter a little bit on this entire film altogether because there's a lot of shit in this movie where they try to be like super kind of funny, like the whole scene where Peter Parker is trying to uh, propose to Mary Jane. And, you know, friggin' the waiter keeps coming out, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of that shit in this movie. It's like, it doesn't need to be there at all. So let's, so that's another, t- so Christian, you're bringing up other points of sort of decisions that the director is doing. So we, that's, a, no, that's a good, that's another good one. Yeah. Here's another scene. You want to talk about, for my taste, stupid. What would the, the last scene with the Sandman where he faded away into dust and floated across the New York sky- skyline saying goodbye, like, remember me. Uh. Like, I remember I laughed in the theater going, what the fuck is this, man? Like, that is... <laughs> I was like, wait a second. So Sandman could suddenly turn himself into dust and fly the fuck away? I was and like... still say stuff to him? It was, like, yeah, it was so dumb. Like, that was... Yeah. It was, I, I was asking, like, did Steven Spielberg all of a sudden take over directing this movie because he's just trying to make everybody happy? That was a horrible ending. Okay, number... Yeah, that, ne- hold on a sec. I got to go on that because that fucking ending was fucking, again, it's horrible. The, 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 the most, most heinous part of that fucking ending was that when Peter Parker, first of all, his mask off, talking to Sandman out in the blue, is like, you know, doesn't give a shit about his secret identity. Hey, how's it going? You know what I mean? Sharing their emotions and all that bullshit. And then he's freaking drifting away into fucking dust. Peter Parker says to him, the fa- the person that killed his fucking uncle says, I forgive you? Fuck you! Yeah, that was... I, yeah, I like forgive you? you? Forget it. It's, uh, anyway, his whole identity is based on the fact that this guy murdered his uncle. He says, I forgive you. I'm going back right. to school. It's okay. You're saying now. You know, the other thing I hate, too, actually, you bring up that actually I don't, uh, Sam Raimi needs to be called to task for, though, is they've been really fucking loose at, with the second movie as well with his, his mask. Like, that, he's got the thing off more than he does on, even when he's Spider-Man. I mean, that ain't fucking right, man. I, I know you got this big-name actor to play the role, but when he's in the fucking costume, he's in the fucking costume. Like, that should be a rule. Yeah, if your mask is getting torn, at least web it up a little bit or something like that, like Spider-Man would do in the comics. You know, okay, so here, uh, I got to bring up another scene, too, because we're now we're really going to town with creative choices in this film. I like to think of Sam Raimi as a pretty smart director, okay? And I know we have to suspend our belief going into a movie about a kid bit by a radioactive spider, but the other things that I just couldn't get over, and maybe call me nitpicky, when, you know, when did New York have so many dump trucks just filled with sand on the sides of fucking streets. Like, how convenient was this for the fucking Sandman to attack? He would. There, be... there was a landscaping conference in town. Jesus Christ! I'm just like, oh right, 
another truck of just sand waiting on <laughs> pulled up here on fucking the you know downtown Manhattan. Like, okay, I, back I that just... up. The sandcastle building competition starts in five minutes. <laughs> Jesus, I couldn't just stand outside the bank in human form and just wait for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> man, I, I need a truck full of sand. What the fuck? Oh wait, there is one here. Okay, like it's like that. I'm just like. Come like rolling your eyes, fucking bullshit. But here and talking about rolling your eyes, does anyone want to comment on fucking Osborne's butler? Because he could have saved a lot of problems, a lot of problems. Harry and Peter have this gigantic fight, almost kill each other in his apartment, and then the and then then the Jeeves. The Jeeves Decides to come over and tell Harry after all of this. Oh, by the way, your father. Like, I would. I was like, no. wait a minute. You <laughs> know, I mean, Harry comes back from this fight from Spider Man. His face is is freaking scarred to shit, right? Scarred he's that, yeah. he's been taking the Goblin fucking serum since the beginning of the fucking movie. Living in his dad's apartment. Butler changing his bed, yeah, fucking yeah. washing his underwear for Christ's sakes. It's not until this point, you know, where he's almost freaking killed after this fight, the butler goes, you know, I didn't mention it before, but I thought I should mention it now. The <laughs> the wounds on your father, I cleaned them the night he died. And it was obvious to me, a fucking butler, not a forensic scientist, but a fucking butler, that he <laughs> killed himself. So I thought you should know that. You know, if I was sorry, fucking... uh, forgot to mention it before. Yeah, uh, sorry. I think it was a big deal. So yeah. slipped your mind, did it? Like you know, if if he maybe brought that up, I don't know. The end of the first fucking movie might have probably solved a lot of problems for a lot of people. I think the true villain of this fucking movie is the Osborns fucking hired help. That's who it is. That's the ultimate mastermind of these fucking movies. You know, if he had a robot butler, this wouldn't have happened. No, it's, it's that that to me was there were so many grown worthy moments that I have to ask. I'm going to go back and I'm pulling this all together. Is that Sam Raimi's fault or is this the fault of the studio or the writers? Well, you're pointing the finger at Sam Raimi twice because he helped write it and he directed it. So who's touching it the most? Well, I, I gotta say too. I mean, uh, Christian's blaming the studio. I just don't know if after two massively successful movies, how involved the studio really would be. Exactly. I think I think we'd have the same problem that we have here with uh, whoever the last person we did this to was uh, Spielberg <laughs> or whatever. Was Super, it? Superman, no, we did uh, Super Brian Singer. Singer. Right, right. And look at look at look at. So again, we have a lecherous fucking superhero when a director doesn't have enough fucking uh, when the studio doesn't rein him in. You know what yeah. I mean? We had fucking creepy Superman hanging outside the Lois Lane's pad, and we got fucking fucked up Spider-Man here, totally using some bitch to get back at Mary Jane. But these are yeah. things that, you know, just would not get done if people were editing your shit. I don't I think totally, that's I totally agree, because, like you're saying, if he produced two good quality movies, the, the, it generally seems to be that the studio would pull back and give him more freedom because he's proved himself as a Spider-Man director, this guy knows his shit. Leave him to it. One and two, as far as superhero movies go, he fucking did the most fucking awesome job. I mean, like, I can't, I just, 
I would like to think that maybe he'd got his shit together that three was kind of like, ah, uh, I don't know. I just, I'm so impressed by one and two. I'm really surprised that he fell apart this badly in three, like this badly. You know what, you know what the problem is? With great power comes great responsibility. Exactly. Go to bed. <laughs> no, but you, you know what, Christian, you're, you're right. In a way, you, when you think of the first two films, and, and in my honest opinion, I think part two is actually a superior film to the first. That's my opinion. But, I agree. Uh, I agree. The, you would almost think a completely different director and producing team took over. Like This feels like when Joel Schumacher took over from Tim Burton on the Batman the original movie series for more like, than one movie for Christ's sakes. Anyway, go yeah, on. But, yeah, but, like, look at, but, look but at my her. point is, it's such, there was such a drastic change in quality that you were almost like, wait a minute, it's Sam Raimi still in the fucking credits? Like, what what, what right. happened here? Look at no, but see, but I, I, I'm not sure I agree with that because I think everything else felt like Sam Raimi. It was still Sam Raimi's Spider Man. It was just Sam Raimi's Spider Man with a really shitty story and you know a, a bunch of bad fucking gags. Well, take a look at the the, uh, the writers writing credits for the first movie. It's this David Cope guy and uh, Stanley and Steve Ditko, and no Sam Raimi. He didn't write it. And now, what's the problem? You let him have too much freedom. And that's just the way. That's that. I and I think there's what you can blame. I'm going to check really quickly who wrote uh, Spider-Man Two, but I'm going to guess. It probably wasn't Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi was involved with sto- he got story credit, I believe, for both part one. Uh, well, not and on two. not on IMDb. He doesn't, so that could be my just using this. But on he doesn't have credit on Spider Man Two either. There's three no, guys. He doesn't. No, he only has a writing credit. And it's I'm sorry, not Spider Man Three. The only one he has screenplay. Okay, well then is number three. So, so I think whose fault is it? I think what we're saying here too is. I mean, I still think that the what the work that he did in establishing the look and feel of this universe of Spider-Man is so great. And Downs is, brings up a good point. The the kinetic flair, the visual flair, is still there. Uh, excuse, hey, I made a rhyme. Uh, but uh, I think maybe what we're getting at here is he did need to be reined in. I think there, Christian brings up that was there maybe too much studio involvement. Maybe there wasn't enough. Maybe someone needed to to get in here and kind of edit this a little bit, walk in and once again and go, uh, not such a good idea. Maybe, you know what, we're going to hand off the script to a an autonomous writer, get your finger, you can okay it, but maybe you won't be able to, you know, fucking touch the keypads in terms of coming up with the story. So maybe he's still the right director, but he just needed to be reined in a little bit. Yeah, but you know the problem is, is I I don't know if that's just a reality of the way Hollywood works. I mean, this guy signs on for these three movies, is making millions upon millions of dollars for these studios. You know, it's only natural that the more he, he does, the more he's going to think he's untouchable, and that you don't know as much about Spider-Man as he does. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how he would ever agree to it, or the studio could ever get away with it happening. You know what I mean? By the by, the time he's into his third movie, he's fucking Peter Parker, and you're not. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would like looking, to, I would like to think that since the first two movies were so fucking successful worldwide, that by the third one, the studio was like, okay, we just want to make sure we don't you know lose our money in the bank here. We want you to do this and this and this and this because there's merchandising opportunities all over the place. We have more villains and more people and more shit. Yeah. Looking looking forward to, I think, Sam Raimi saying, I know what I did wrong, and I'm going to fix it in Spider-Man 4. And it's so far proving to be correct because he is not one of the writers. 
He's taken himself out of it. Um, Interesting. From what I see, we've got David Lindsay, a bear, uh, Gary Ross, and James Vanderbilt for early screenplay. So I think maybe he realizes that he got a little out of line. Yeah. Hey, that, that's you, speculation. That James Vanderbeek? Isn't that the guy from Dawson? <laughs> Vanderbilt. <laughs> Bilt. I don't want to wait. Um, but Sam Raimi is a good fucking director, though. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, uh, I, I love The Quick and the Dead, and The Friggin' Simple Plan is a friggin' awesome movie for Oh, yeah. Loud. You know, okay, it's, it's, I, I just find him, I, I just find it very, very weird that he would go so apeshit crazy over, you know, as a director that obviously kind of like likes to focus on the work that he does. Also, I'll say, I'll say we, we chalk it up to the story. He had, he shouldn't have been involved as he was on Spider-Man 3 with the story, but he's still our, our director for this universe for the time being while we have still have the same actors. You know what I mean? And, until you cast a different Peter Parker, I think, you know, why would you have a different director? Yeah. Okay. Just a, before you start, DJ, just a, a, a piece of trivia. That James Vanderbilt that I'm saying was the uh, screenwriter for The Rundown and for Zodiac. Wow. Rundown's kind of funny. That's an awesome movie. Yeah, One it is. My a good, atomic picks. A, yeah, it's a good guilty pleasure. So before we wrap up here, guys, let's, because we've been going on a lot of negative here. Yeah. What is, what did work? What did you like in this film that you'd say, we got to keep that? I mean, now let's not talk about uh, the director or whatnot. Let's actually talk about story beats, moments, like scenes, characters, etc. The costumes, I would keep those. Except for the the new Goblin's costume. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm just kidding. I'm saying I'm saying the Spider Man costume, but I I think I would have kept uh the Sandman character the same other than the ending. Um and the well in the beginning is <laughs> tying into the thing. But I like the cast. Uh casting of uh what's his face? And uh Who's he was, face? He, the Thomas Sandman. Hayden Church of Sandman is that yes. you're talking about? That's what's his face. His, he's AKA what's his face. Oh, okay. Um, I thought I thought he, that was pretty good. I like. Okay, okay. So let, let's Benjamin. just let, let, hold on. Let, let's just talk about him for a second. So because I agree, I thought I think that as I said earlier, in terms of you know what the story should be, I think the Sandman visually, you know, cinematically was a pretty good movie villain, comic book villain come to life. Um, if you get rid of this fact that he's somehow tied into Peter Parker's origin and just have it be, okay, if you got to have him be an anti-hero up against maybe um, the new Goblin, you know, I think he's a, he, that's a pretty strong character to carry a, a third movie. Um, uh, and I won't jump on to the other yeah. thing. Sandman should have been the opening dumbass uh, villain that had no relevance to the rest of the movie whatsoever. He should have been a good, Spider-Man, what are you doing here? I'm going to get out of here. You know what I mean? That's what he should have been instead of this freaking pathos-filled freaking uh, deadbeat dad who broke out of jail to freaking save his daughter's life. <laughs> Whatever. So I thought this was supposed to be things we liked. Oh, <laughs> I like how he looked as Sandman. <laughs> yeah, so I, so you know what I, I think we're saying cannon fodder. Like, we should have just built up Spidey by sacrificing Sandman. He's not that major of a villain for us to need to keep around more than you know just to make Spider-Man look good. Dijo, did you have anything that you liked that, that you would keep in? Oh, because there's other stuff I have too. I just I thought we were go ahead, Downs, and what, you know, what like this is your time. Throw that out. Um, well, in terms of what what other things that looked good, I mean, I thought uh, visually how they treated Venom. Going back and forth with uh, him talking, I thought that looked kind of cool. Actually, I thought visually, you know, if we're going to push it, push it into the fourth film, fine. But I thought they did a great job of villain of, of Venom visually, for, you know, and cinematically as well. You can't argue that the special effects in all three of these movies are 
pretty good. They, Actually, do, a, they do a good job, and they put a lot of money into it. The special effects and the fight scenes in this movie are pretty badass. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, despite what the story and all the other shit's going on, the actual fight scenes themselves are pretty crazy. Like with Sandman and Spider-Man in the subway tunnel, that was pretty decent. Like he smashed oh, yeah. his face against a subway train. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that yeah, that, that sequence with Spidey and Sandman there, that is balls awesome. Like there's no question about that. I, I mean, I liked the black suit. I kind of wish they did the... Uh, they played up the big white spider on his chest, but I could still, I still dug it, and I thought the way that Venom looked, I agree with Downs. I thought, and the way they played him up, they did him a bit Gollum-esque in terms of, you know, having that schizophrenic sort of uh, conversations with himself. But uh, I thought that all worked, but it came just a little too late. Uh, but you're right, the the CGI, the production work on this was awesome. I mean, and. And, you know, and Spidey always looks good, and they only got better as the film went on in terms of them being able to reproduce and bring to life the, you know, the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Like, it, what, the way he just, you know, shooting the web, swinging around, the fighting, it, I mean, it's amazing. Like, it, it, it really is a perfect way of bringing to life Spider-Man. So it's like, the film looks good. I think there's no question about that. But the sad thing about this whole conversation, I'm just realizing now as I'm looking over my notes... I really fucking hated this movie for crying out loud. <laughs> there clearly really, wasn't that much. Good honestly, there really isn't much that I liked. You know what I actually liked though was uh, I liked how the third movie started, where everyone loves Spider-Man. You know what I mean? It's like you know, just like now everyone's like kind yeah. of on board. He's a great guy. That I thought that was great, and then they spun it out to him going into Peter Parker's head, and that just made me friggin' sick. So fight scenes and the opening of the movie, I think that's about all I like about this. Yeah, movie, you know, like. it's it's funny as we do this process, there's a lot more bad than there was good. But as Andrew noted, uh, you know, uh, and we've all heard on all the popular movie websites, Spider-Man 4 is happening, it is coming, Sam Raimi's involved, Tobey Maguire's involved, and at least they seem to know uh, what they did wrong. Can I so, say so, I'm sorry, can I say one thing about Spider-Man 4? Here's my hope and hope of hopes, is that in Spider-Man 4, the opening goddamn villain has got to be fucking the lizard, for Christ's sakes. Because that same actor who plays Curtis Connors has been in all three of these fucking movies, and not once have they pulled the trigger on that friggin' lizard character. Yeah, you know what? He's been that very, very, very slow burn. Though early speculation on the film, and these are according to my sources, is Carnage is actually going to be one of the villains in the film. So... We'll see how where that goes because that gets me a little nervous. I do agree. I think Lizard should be, definitely be not a uh, main the, villain, but just at least an appearance well, somehow. The guy, the guy who plays Doctor Connor is is has been casted. Okay, well that's good news then. All right, so before these uh, the the team gets to work on Spider Man Four, guys, take your notes. Uh, all of the producers, same Raimi, of course, you're all listening. <clears throat> uh, here is. The Atomic Geeks redo of Spider-Man 3. First of all, way too many fucking villains, okay? Focus needs to be put on fewer characters. Make Sandman your primary villain. Do definitely fulfill on Harry Osborn uh, a story arc, but make the Hobgoblin a bit more goblin-y, if that's possible. Yes. Uh, uh, also... We like the idea of the symbiote suit, the black, uh, the black Spider-Man costume. We think Venom would have been better as a slow burn character 
that could have been slowly built through this film with the reveal at the end of Eddie Brock getting the costume, getting fans pretty goddamn excited for Spidey 4. Though, we do think you should maybe recast Topher Grace. He ain't big enough. Um, one big thing, though, if Sandman does is our primary villain, first and foremost, he has no fucking business being a part of Spidey's origin. Cut that fucking shit out. Bullshit. The guy can just be a crook, okay? It's goddamn superheroes. The guy can be a crook. Another thing, how about no Gwen Stacy? Or at least, if you're going to put Gwen Stacy in a movie, make it relevant. No need for Gwen Stacy at all to be in Spidey 3. As If we're going to get on to another female... Enough with the fucking melodrama between MJ and Peter Parker. Are they together? Are they not? Are they together? Are they not? It's three movies now. They're together. <laughs> like, let's get on with it. Uh, and let's, for some a couple final notes, no MJ singing, no Peter dancing bullshit. And, you know, if you had to show the effects of Venom on Peter Parker, you could have just had some moments of acts of aggression not this fucking pseudo-confidence and dancing in a goddamn club like a goddamn idiot. So, and finally, keep Sam Raimi as the director. We think he is the guy that brought to life Spider-Man so well in Spider-Man 1 and 2. He's got the visual flair. But Sam hands off the script. Leaves it, leave it to the screenwriters. So that's it, guys. That is the Spider-Man 3 redo. And let's, as you know, as we alluded to a bit earlier in here, let's hope they make, they learn from the mistakes of the past and make Spidey 4 a wee bit better. Okay, so before we sign off, why don't we jump into our atomic picks? Andrew Bloom. Uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about a video game that Christian and I picked up and played on the weekend. I will talk uh, to Christian. I'm sure you're probably going to throw in the same thing because we played Uncharted 2 Among Thieves for the PS3. This game is just like playing a movie. Not only are the, the uh, graphics amazing, the storyline is incredible, and they, they put so much behind it. It just really feels like a film. They've got a lot of good dialogue, it has a lot of re- really good action. I love the, uh, the controls in this. The uh, the camera setting and or, or how it followed you around wasn't confusing, wasn't hard to play, and it was seamless going through chapters. In fact, we were going to do a tag review on this one, but didn't get far enough through it and probably had a few too many beers. <laughs> um, it was definitely fun, and uh, and I cannot wait to continue playing this. Yeah, I, I, I essentially I'm jumping on this atomic pick as well since we both tag teamed it together, so to speak. And I echo the same statements. I mean, you see this commercial for the PS3 now with this game. They talk about this game. Hey, it's just like a movie. The stupid girlfriend can't figure it out. Blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you, this opening scene where there's a train in a snowy mountaintop, oh, boy, it is just like a movie. And when you're playing this game and trying to escape this scenario that you're in without giving too much away, it is just like a movie. It is a lot of fucking fun, this game, and Andrew was nice enough to forget to take it home with him on the weekend, and I get to play it a little bit more. I tell you, if you own a PS3 and you don't have Uncharted 2, Among Thieves, you are a jerk. <laughs> so, Christian, is that your atomic pick for the week? That is my atomic pick of the week. All right, uh, Michael Downs. 
Okay, uh, my atomic pick is the movie Zombieland, which uh, I, I happened to catch. Uh, I thought it was hilarious. Um, it, there's a bit of a twist, uh, which I won't give away, but uh, as you've heard, uh, there's a bit of a surprise in the movie, which is quite cool. Um, fun for the whole family, if your family likes seeing zombies and quite graphic uh, brains being bashed in and stuff. Uh, definitely uh, two thumbs up for this movie from Downs. All right, and uh, two quick atomic picks for me. Number one, I'm a little late to the dance, as I often am with the uh, video games, but I finally got Batman Arkham Asylum, and all the kids are correct. The game is the tits. Uh, so that's all. Enough has been said about that. Uh, my other atomic pick is actually for uh, something that's happening on comicbookresources.com. They're actually doing their top 100 comic book storylines of all time, and they're actually asking for users to come and vote and give their 10 favorite comic book stories. The rules are is that you have to do, it has to be more than two issues and can't be a graphic novel. So that you can't say the Batman, the killing joke, for example, and you can't say an entire run of a series. Punisher 1 to 60 would not, I mean, I'm sorry, Preacher 1 to 60 would not work. So uh, this is open until November 25th, 2009. Uh, I'm definitely going to head over there and, uh, you know, put my selection of top ten favorite storylines. This is the sort of content that I really dig. And, you know, if you're a comic book fan, I highly recommend you you pop by comicbookresources.com and give your suggestions. All right, so... Can I ask ask a question? Yes. So, so, sorry, but I think people might want to know this in the audience... Can you go uh, – I could go and say Preacher Origin or Preacher Gun to Texas, the first four issues. That's a story arc, and that would that, – that qualifies? That's what they're looking for? Yes. The rules of the, of the submissions are actually detailed on the site, but it, that's exactly what it would be. You couldn't say why the last man. You'd have to say uh, the particular story arc. So Gone to Texas and Preacher – X issues, that would qualify as a storyline. Season of Mists in Sandman, that would be a storyline. Crisis on Infinite Earths, and so on and so forth. Uh, So, yeah, so it's something neat. If you're a comic book fan, check it out. So that's going to do it for us uh, yet again. This is the Atomic Geeks episode 40. Oh, Oh, wow. Uh, And some, you know, the rumor is episode 41 is next. Uh, So, uh, you know, you can uh, contact us via all of the interactive social medias. We are on Facebook, and that group is a poppin', so head on over there. You can uh, reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, if you have a chance and you are on iTunes, we would love for you to be able to leave us a uh, review. We love the iTunes love. And most of all, head on over to the Atomic Geeks. Com, where you can interact with other fans of the show and the Atomic Geeks ourselves, who we post there quite often. And also, when you're there, take a look at uh, the, the opportunity to submit a topic idea. If we use that topic for one of our episodes, we'll send you an Atomic Geeks t-shirt, and it's quite fancy, and you'll be all the rage with the ladies. Coolest kid ever. Coolest kid ever. So that's going to do it for us, the Atomic Geeks. Out. You've just listened to another episode of the Atomic Geeks. Visit us at theatomicgeeks.com. 
Production by Andrew Bloom. Title track by Don't Look Down. Feel free to start any time. Uh, actually, I'm just going to quickly grab my beer out of my handy satchel. Is that like an Indiana Jones side satchel? It's, yeah, he actually, it's like a, a fag bag around his waist. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Burp.